Okay, freaks, this is the guide to your psychopath. This podcast is not about me telling you how you're fucked up. I'm here to learn about your past and how it affects your decision making. I've been studying people for a long time now, but I've never asked them how their mind goes through the process. I want to read your guide. I want to know how you think and feel. This will not be edited to take snippets out of context, but I believe everybody will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. Uh, today we have uh, one of my friends that I've known for at least a couple years now, and uh, he is a white male. Uh, how old are you? 52. 52? I'm a Caucasian. You're a Caucasian male. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, you're 52 years old, and um, do you know where your mom was born? You know, I think Tulare County is right here. Tulare County? Yeah, and your dad? Uh, Tulare County. Tulare County. And you were born in? L.A. County. L.A. County. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mom was actually born at home. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But her, her grandmother was the midwife. So. The midwife. Uh-huh. Just born at home on the kitchen table or something. Really? That's what they say. I wasn't here. <laughs> Apparently, you weren't there. <laughs> and uh, your dad was from this area. Yes. Yeah. And you lived in uh, Tulare County most of your life? 50 years. 50 years. You were only born in L.A. and then you came up here. Yeah, two years old. We moved, we moved here. Okay. My family's from here. They moved down south for the work. Uh-huh. And then we moved back. And then you moved back. Because there was too much money and too much good work down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, do you remember anything from your childhood? I can remember all the way back to five years old. Uh-huh. All the way up to uh, preschool or kindergarten. What was that like? I don't remember too much. I just remember, like, the teacher. Uh-huh. Was a colored lady named Mrs. Ingalls or something like that. She used to have big hoop earrings. I remember a kid sitting next to me that used to have an alarm clock that had to remind him to go to the bathroom. Really? You no, know, he would go in his pants. Uh-huh. And my brother, he was there uh, in the same grade with me since kindergarten. Really? He got held back in preschool or kindergarten, so we followed each other, same grade, same class, uh-huh. all the way through until he got killed. Really? Yeah. And uh, was your childhood happy childhood? Did you... No. You know, we, we were poverty. You know, we did we work out there with the... All the, the farm neighbors. Mm-hmm. The neighbors. Except we were white. Yeah. And uh, we were poor grew up people. around a bunch of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't speak Spanish and they didn't speak English, but mm-hmm. we worked with them. Yeah. Therefore, my dad passed up many opportunities to be foreman because he was a white man. The bosses automatically wanted to make him a foreman. Yeah. But he couldn't speak to the, the, the workers, the migrant workers, so... He kept turning it down. I kept telling you, you know, the, the bosses that uh, you need somebody bilingual, somebody that can speak to your workers, man. You know, works a uh, national language, but if I have to tell him to take his tractor equipment over to another field or another town, I can't speak his language. I mean, once it gets to the field, we all know what to do when it's in the field. Yeah, yeah. But how to get to the field, a town, what field, you know, <clears throat> you need somebody that can speak both languages. Mm-hmm. So he just kept passing up, you know, and he just. So your dad was a farmer. Yeah, we we pretty much farmed all these lands from yeah. um, I want to say early March, 
all the way um, up to Hampton, yeah. all the way over here to the Tulare County. We work from Nichols, Mountain View, Schatz, um, Stuhans. Um, Did you ever work with them when you were a kid? As soon as you were big enough to tromp cotton, pin piece, irrigate. Yeah. We're out there every weekend and every summer. Yeah. Uh, before you wait to put food on the table. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought there were six kids. You know, uh, my man had no schooling. It was rough, rough on my dad. Yeah. Five boys, one girl. We tear stuff up for it. Yeah. <laughs> Go through a of, bunch of stuff. Buy a pair of jeans and they're tore up by the end of the day. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I actually lived in a Farmville labor, the Nell labor camp. In the labor camp. We were the only white family there. Mm -hmm. And I set to fight from my house to the bus, to the bus to my house. Fight? But yeah, we were migrants. We were the minority. Yeah. And they weren't, you know, out on, but you gotta remember out in the schools and out on the farms, they were the migrant workers and they got treated like crap. So yeah. we moved into basically their world. It's a labor camp and therefore, <clears throat> One way in, one way out. You had to go to the front of the camp to catch the bus. And they after, treated you like crap because well, you were white. They just put us through some tests. Yeah. After you know, after a certain period of time, we uh, we played soccer with them. We got out there every weekend, every, I don't know, every night. We yeah. played soccer with them. You couldn't speak to them, but it was like, pásale, pásale, <laughs> dale, dale. So we learned to speak Spanish after a while. And it was pretty cool growing up here with you know the different nationalities. Yeah. I lost a lot of family and friends. Or buried here. That's what keeps me here. Here you know, in Tulare County. It's like hollow ground to me. Yeah. I can't leave because I got too many family and friends buried in the cemeteries around me. Yeah. Everybody else is, I feel like a visitor, you know. I've been here my whole life and it's just, it's been a long road, you know. I've buried a lot of people and finally found, believe it or not, the happiest I've ever been in my life is my 12 years of marriage. Really? Yeah. That's hard for most people. Like, what? Yeah. The most miserable time I ever had. So, <laughs> that's the happiest point in my life was 12 years of marriage. Now, before we get into that, and I, I, I'd like to talk to you about that, but before we get into that, do you remember anything about like junior high or high oh, school? Yeah. Yeah, my brother died in my arms by a drunk driver at the age of 12. He just turned 13 in April. Uh, May 18th, he died in my arms. Mm -hmm. He just got into a big fight. He died in my arms uh, two days before my birthday. Actually buried him on my birthday at twelve, so it pretty much from that point on kind of fucked you up. Yeah, you know it 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 stripped me of all uh, all my. You know, I, mean, I used to be I was a handful before that. I I did a lot of anger things to my brothers. I had a lot of, a lot of anger issues. You know, I used to stab them. And, and I was just mean, man. I mean, you got close to me. Were you were you ever into any drugs at that age? Oh no. Oh. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mess around with any illegal drugs, shit, till I hit high school. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it was marijuana. I didn't even. I didn't mess with cocaine or anything like that till shit. I was probably nineteen, twenty years old. I didn't lose my virginity till I was like nineteen. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't date girls. I, after my brother's death, it, it kind of broke me, and I hooked up with a, a this dude in Tulare. His name was uh, Nathan Dominguez. Mm -hmm. And he was in. <coughs> was like what the, age was that? I think I was 16, 15. 16 when you met him? Yeah, I left home at 16. Mm. Uh, he was uh, one of the meanest dudes in town. Did you drop out of school at that time? Oh, yeah. 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 I walked away from school. Uh, he, like all the, the, the girls wanted to be with him and all the dudes wanted to be like him. Yeah. And yet he wanted to hang out with me. You know? He changed me, you know, yeah. 
thought they smoked that thing. <clears throat> when I did, kind of just took it out of me. I guess you call it gentle-handed, you know, like fixing, you know, yeah. you know mindset. Get my mind and body whole thing. Yeah. You know, you specialized in uh, ninjas or karate style. The art of fighting without fighting. <laughs> he taught me how to center my mass, you know, to make my body and my mind as one instead of all the time my mind was thinking of death while my body still going through motions of everyday life. Yeah. You, know, you still got to get up. Whether you think it or not, every day you got a routine. You get up. You do the same thing almost every morning. You put your pants on, you brush your teeth. You know, I mean, almost repetitively the same time, same way, you know, the same angle. Whether you think whether you, it or whether not. you like it or not, you wake yeah. up at the same time. But you your mind is thinking yeah. of something different every day. Yeah. You know, depending on what you're thinking about when you go to bed, you may pick up where you left off when your brain shut down. But your body's still going through the same motions. But your mind, if your mind and your body isn't set, you really will throw your equilibrium off. Yeah. You know, you'll really be clumsy. And anyhow, I was uh, I was pretty like that V8 commercial. I was just kind of always sideways, and you couldn't get me to fight an ugly third grader when I was 16. You know. <laughs> Scared everybody in town. Yeah. And my buddy got done with me. Uh, he was the meanest son of a bitch on earth. Really? And he died and left me. <laughs> this was here in uh, Tulare? Yeah. I uh, actually left town to down by Mexico. I, I lived down there for several years. My, my oldest boy was born down there. Yeah. That's on I-8 in El Centro in Hero County, right next to the Mexico border. Yeah. And uh, I came back in 19. It's hot as hell out there, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, there's a sign right there when you come into town that says, Welcome to El Centro, where the sun spends winter and the fools spend the summer. <laughs> and they meant to every word of it. It's probably about, I don't want to say, it's got to be close to 115, 20. Yeah. It's not actually On that a normal heat. day? Well, it's not actual that, I mean, that heat with the humidity and everything that yeah. goes along with it. It's a dry heat. Yeah. And, but if it rains, you don't dare get off the side of the road. Man. You, I've seen four or five vehicles just start out with one. This guy trying to pull him out, had two, and three of them, and pretty soon you got. You got a quick stand out there, and you got a bunch of vehicles just stuck. Yeah, yeah. It was. Then flash floods ain't no joke. You know, yeah. and there was fields and fields of kelp, and I mean, it just the the place I stayed, the people actually had the covered wagons that they come across here from back east in on their property, and they staked out all the property. They own almost half that damn El Centro. The name of the street that went from the city of Imperial. To the border of Calexico was named Kramer Boulevard. Yeah, and it was over them guys. Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, that family. Yeah, and uh, they would come out and they'd change that street sign. Every time somebody would take office, or whatever, that's spelled like a person's name and not like a street name, and they'd change it. Whatever would be down in that city office was hell. We gave you these way, we gave you that property, we gave you we property for your roads and your highways, and the deal was you guys did not change my road. From my name, yeah. and they would change it back. Yeah. I've seen it go from you get a glass of water and have a quarter of it be dirt, sand, and, and the rest would be water because the filtration system came straight from the canal bank into your house. There was no filtration systems. No shit. And then I watched a lot them, of sediment. Yeah, I watched them. Uh, I watched Mexico grow. You know, it, it literally it went from that to filtration systems to filtering the water to purifying the water to. Watch it actually grow. I watch them take their money that they earned here in labor, take it over there and better their country. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of people have seen the drug side of them. I've seen the evolvedness of it. You know, like they come over here and pitch a tent, or five or six of them live in one little one bedroom shack to save their money. Yeah, and they would send it all home. They would live off canned foods, 
top ramens and work. But I mean, they would, I don't care if they were up all night coking and playing cards and drinking. They were at that farmer's house at four, three, whatever time the man said that they were there. And they would put in a 10-hour day at eight-hour wages, no overtime, you know, no double yeah. time, no vacations. No breaks, just But they go, couldn't go, go. find another man who want to be out there chopping them weeds. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so they put in that work, you know, and they earned that money, and they sent it home. Or their dollar, our dollar was worth more than theirs, man. And now ours ain't worth as much as theirs, hmm. you know. And, and I, I, I believe, I'm a firm believer that people can learn a lot from other people. Yeah. You know, like, like, that's exactly just, why I'm doing this podcast, so I can learn from you guys. Well, you know, the United States, that's our problem. You know, they, they take office and they think they know everything. Yeah. They, they, they've got all the answers and that's where it puts us at risk. And because, then they lie to you. Well, yeah. About they, different you know, things. You know, it's like this, uh, this COVID thing. It's, it's a simple flu, man. It's, you know, it's to it, it'll attack the elderly, people with respiratory problems, people who's got medical problems, issues, but other than that, you know, it's, everybody else is dealing with it just as a regular flu. They make it out like it's this big, you know, I'm mean, gonna just wipe out the whole population. And I'm like, man, it's not that serious, you know, it's something that's never gonna go away. It's just gonna be like pneumonia and the flu. Once you've got We've it, we've had COVID before, it's yeah. just a different strain, yeah. And that's what you get when you bring a bunch of different nationalities, which I'm, I'm for. But when you bring a, a different country, people from different countries and different flus and different strains to one country, eventually it will evolve into its own strand, just like we did. You know, yeah. I'm not pure Caucasian. I've, I've got probably just a little better every mixture there is in me. No. But it started out as one breed to begin with. You know, and, and same with the flus. And they'll go and shove every antibiotic they can think of in you. Pretty soon, your body can't even fight off the simplest flu because it's just so used to... Depending this. on the medication. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even take aspirins. Yeah. I'll deal with the head. You know, I'll deal with the, the, the shoulder. I've got a shattered shoulder right now. I just supposed to have surgery wow. five months ago. Surgeon canceled on me. Oh, he moved all of a sudden overnight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still waiting. That's bone still sticking up out of there. Yeah. I can't get no medical treatment. They, they just, they didn't these do doctors are canceling appointments left and right. I think what the original problem was is when I, I got bad treatment the very first night. They said not set up for an emergency surgery. They didn't. They continued doing me like that. So where each doctor behind them didn't want to mess with it for fear of I lost them. Once one doctor did wrong, it's like a domino effect. Yeah. And now even the specialists don't want to take it on. It's like, man, this dude shattered his shoulder and he's got a bone sticking on his neck five months ago and I'm barely getting word of it now on my desk. And so they just keep passing the book. Still waiting. I was supposed to go back to work this month. Yeah. I've already got my, my truck license back, my car license. I did everything I was supposed to do after the DUI. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't go to work. Yeah. They denied me my unemployment after I got fired. So you can't go back to work because you're not cleared to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on disability. Right. They, they denied me my unemployment after I got fired from the DUI. They said, uh, oh, no, you did it. You voluntarily quit. I said, how do you figure I voluntarily quit? <laughs> Well, you, you, your commercial license, you know, if you got pulled over, you'd lose your license, lose your job, but you did it anyhow. You know what? I'm 52 years old. I've never had a DUI. I've never had, you know, any, anything like that before in my whole life. And they come at me like, like as if I just run around, delivery, jump in the car, lose my job. And then COVID hit right after that. Mm-hmm. So I filed for that. They said, oh, no, no, you lost your job to a DUI, not COVID. You weren't eligible for that either. I'm watching guys run around. They never had a job. 
collecting 20 grand off the government, collecting a $700 a week check. Me and my kids struggling over there. So far behind on our rent utilities, man, we can't even possibly catch up. Yeah. We go to CSET, who used to help out family members on low incomes, and they turned me away. When they just got a big, huge grant from the government to help people like me because yeah. of COVID, they, they followed the unemployment. They said, oh, no, you're going to lose your job because of COVID. I said, I, I grant that, but I can't get a job because of COVID. I could have went and done anything other than drive a truck. I didn't start out. I didn't come out with my mama driving a truck. No, I, I've done about everything you can do from working in a restaurant to the fields. There's many jobs I can do. Ain't nobody hiring right now because of COVID. And they denied me my unemployment, so I didn't help. He said, no. I said, man, look, you guys used to help. You guys had a program that helped poverty people with their rent and utilities before COVID. Yeah. What happened to that program? Now, if you don't fall into COVID, you don't help them at all. Just give me a bunch of names and numbers of other places to go and check. And I'm like, so, you know, like a monkey, you got to go dancing. And it's still yet to get anyone to help us with our utilities. They finally gave me my disability, that 700 a week, which I paid into for the last 15 years of working. And I started out at Pizza Hut. First job, 35 years old. Yeah. And I worked my way up to making $20 an hour in the evening, driving a truck, and concrete mixers. And I was proud of that, you know, and then got just let me down. I'm like, I paid into that to the unemployment for all them years. You know, I haven't drawn unemployment ever. And then I go to file for it and put losing my job and they turn me down. Like, you'd think they'd make it as easy as possible for men like us who've worked and, and maybe lost your job before COVID or after, but regardless, make it simpler for us to get help. These guys off the streets, drug addicts and, and homeless people, they just fill it out and send it in. They got like $30,000, man. Right away. I mean, it's 700 a week after it. I'm like, too bad I wasn't one of them. Maybe I could have got a loan from them. (laughs) When you were living in El Centro, what were you doing out there? Sleeping. You're sleeping? (laughs) It's taking out of the heat. It's taking out of the heat. (laughs) You can't get a job down there. Yeah. It's uh, basically, it's a retirement place. Uh, It's almost like Florida. There's a few jobs. Most of it, I did a little side work uh, hauling honeybees. Yeah. Around the field. Wasn't enough to do much, but just keep me in cigarettes and gasoline. No. I took my girl down there. I had my, my kid get away from her family here. She had brothers like a bugger a lot. He's coming to the room and irritate her. So I started dating her. I started running him out of the room. <laughs> they didn't like him when they found me in there. I don't know why, but because I whooped her ass a couple times, he decided to stay out of the room yeah. and leave her alone, you know. And, but they just kept hitting her mom up for money, so they kept her broke. When she started getting black circles under her eyes from the lack of nutrition from the baby taking all her vitamins, she couldn't afford prenatals because she was drawing Social Security from her dead dad, well, her mom over there now. She couldn't get, couldn't get welfare. Mom was getting all the money the brothers took kegers and buy motorcycles and worm shawls and drills. And we had an issue with that. Talk to the grandma down in El Central. She don't like them boys. That's where we need to be. Yeah. Down there, we, well, they're not welcome. You go down here, I'll get you, I'll get you, I'll pull that side check with your mom. I'll get you set up on APC. And I'll get you squared away, man. The least I can do, I got you pregnant. I, I don't know what else I can do. I have worked since I was a kid. I'm running the streets. And, you know, she, uh, 
when you were running the streets, you were by yourself, or were you running with somebody, or? No, I remember, I didn't really run with names. I used, I, I was always alone. No. I didn't date, I hardly dated at all, I didn't hang out with hardly anybody at all. I was kind of a sleeper that was just there, in case it was like when I came home, he was dead. not the most positive job. Most people don't like it. I mean, most people rather be at the keggers and, you know, running them hot rods and running around with the crowds and dating. It's the longest relationship I've had with my wife. Yeah. Closest I've been to a woman outside of my mom and dad was my wife. I was almost with her as long as I was my parents. But I just have always trusted what, what year did you meet your wife? Uh, 2003. We started talking on the computer. We switched cell phone numbers. We talked on the phone, I want to say six months, eight months. Probably almost a year went by. We were talking you on the still running the streets at that time? Oh, no. I, oh. I, I, uh, I'd done a violation term here in the county. I've never done no state time. I got no felonies. Mm-hmm. I did a violation term for a probation violation. That one. They sent me to a program called PAR. Beautiful program. I, I would encourage anybody who needs to learn how to function like a in social life, a productive member of society to enter a program like that. They'll help you. Really? Yeah. And that's here in Tulare County? Yes, it's Mm -hmm. in Porterville. Yeah, I have several of them here, but this is my hometown. I didn't want to be here because I could call and have anything brought to me at any time. (laughs) I could walk away, you know? Yeah. Didn't know nobody in Porterville. Yeah. It didn't seem like that far away, but you'd be surprised if you... Nobody wants to go out there. If he ain't got no car, he ain't going to walk from Tulare out there, you know? (laughs) And they sent me there for 90 days. It was supposed to take me straight from lockup there. In lockup, all I did was get healthy and plan my next run. I already had it all set up. And the judge goes, oh, no, no, no. When you get out, we're going to take you straight from the jail cell. We're going to take you to this program for 90 days. And if they should have to let you out, instead of taking you over there, if you don't check in by Monday, you ain't in a bed. I got five years, you're going to do county time. I said, you can't give me five years of all states, you can only give me two years. He said, yeah, but the law doesn't say I can't bowling at your time back to back two years at a time. He said, I'll send your ass up that ramp after two years, and I'll rewrite you up. I'll send you right back down, rebook you on the next two years. I'll send you up that ramp and book you on that last year you got left, and you'll do, you'll do a, a third, you'll get a third knockoff on five years, I'd do at least four. It counted. Talk about this, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to five years in county. I'd rather do ten years in state than five years in county. He said, "I can't send you to state. You got no felony." I said, "Well, we got to work something out." He said, "Man, burn me on every damn program we've offered you, boy. You know, he said, I'm off you one more deal. You either take it, or I'll just sentence you right here now." And that's when he offered me that part. Sure enough, they let me out. They didn't come pick me up. And I called Par. I was already planning on giving him a lie. Hey, you know, I, I just got out. I want to see some family, you know, say hi, see, get my shit in order, get my ducks in a row, and, and then I'll come turn myself in. Everybody then told me in the lockup, oh, yeah, they can throw beds open. I mean, you can be out for a month before they can. The judge can't do nothing if they got no spot for you. They had a bed ready. <laughs> I told him that. He goes, ah, no problem, man. Take all the time you need. We'll go ahead and contact the judge and tell him, let him know you can turn the bed down. Wait, wait, wait. You talk about this. I, he told me to do five years. He, if I don't get into bed, he goes, well, I'll suggest you be here before the doors close in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I, I got with some church members, 
that, that I had met. Um, it's actually been a man named Dennis uh, O'Kelly out of, out of Pickley. He's one of the senior guys in the Nazareth Church. And he was a mentor of mine. He used to, in fact, he used to be my drug dealer back in the day. Really? Yes, sir. And he changed his life around. He's got a, a couple of drug babies that he adopted. Uh, one or two of his family uh, kids mm -hmm. and a few of mine. And he's got a good job. He sings in his, in his church and he's one of the elders. He's on the school board. He's a pillar of the society. He's one of the ones that actually made a difference, you know. He got his shit together and, and didn't run away. You think that uh, because he's seen the ghetto, because he's seen that other side of life, it makes him a better man now that he's working, walking the... It gives you both sides of it. Yeah. You know, a productive side of society is always the best route to go. <clears throat> but if society, should, like me, society smacked me in the face and my wife left, I got nothing left that I can do but the streets. They won't give me an unemployment. They won't let me work. I mean, what, man can't sit there and watch his kids be tough. No. You know, so... If you know both sides of it, you know, when society fails, you've always got that, you know, that latch to go to thing. Not only that, you can work with people like me. Once you get your foot in the door, like, you know, he's, he's got a, a lot of things going for him now that can benefit people. Yeah. You know? And he knows how I work, how I think, because he's been there. You know, yeah. I'll listen to him because he's not reading to me out of a book. You know, he's lived it. And, you know, that's a lot of reasons why I didn't go to college, you know. I can ask that dude, Paul, well, how'd you learn that? Well, I read a book. Well, who wrote the book? <laughs> well, I read another book. Well, didn't y'all go out there and put any you know, foot to ass work to learn that? No. Well, then how do you know it's true? Well, we just believe it is. Well, <laughs> you keep believing what you believe. You know what I mean? I know right's right and left's left. You got to tell me because I've made a few of them. You know? That's what makes a man so special. You know, he's seen the underside of the streets. He's seen the underside of the law. He's seen the good side of the law and the good side of the streets. And so he knows where he needs to be yeah. to help people. You know, and he knows if you want to get if you want to get somebody on the right path, you got to catch them early. Yeah. So us hard-headed, knuckle-headed adults, we, we, we don't know. We don't want to hear it from men. So he, that's why he joined the school board and the churches to create youth groups, to create things that will gather our attention. You know, that, that's the biggest thing that children grow up a product of society. You know, they, the, the, the surroundings that they're in becomes a habit. You know, if you grow up in that gang and drug lifestyle, you're bound to repeat it. You know, if you socialized as a kid, if your parents socialized sitting around smoking weed and, and drinking, you know, you don't go to the movies and have dinner. You have barbecues, drink, and smoke weed because that's what you did socially. You know, yeah. that's, so you repeat it. And then society should change and go from weed to meth. You know, I mean, you evolve with society, but your patterns don't change. You know, it's, you grow up a product of that society and your surroundings. And even if you do get better or like start getting better money and move into a better place, you're still doing the same things over and over again. Well, they call it uh, dry. Like, uh, what do you call it? I don't know how they put it in words. You're using when you ain't using. Yeah. You know, your mind is still salivating on the thought of using. You still have a lot of the characteristics of a tweaker or. Scantless person, or mm -hmm. you still, you know, a lockup person because that's been your whole life. Even though you're in a different environment, you're still who you are. You know, so you get up every day and you still repeat the same things you did at most of your life. And that's kind of where my wife, you know, my, my weakness is her strength. You know, she, she never didn't know nothing about gangs, drugs, or your bachelor out of Fresno State or county. 
and that she gave me the opportunity for my kids to to change the society that I grew up in. Yeah. Now, you know, and, and I love her. I'll always love her. You know, if my mom hadn't died, I think things would be different. You know, if I knew dad was just going to be up every morning. You know. When you when you started to get together with your wife, your girlfriend at the time. Do you think that you wanted to get out of the streets? That you had a longing to do something better for yourself? I don't think I had. I mean, the desire was, has always been there. No, you know, it's always I, been I've there. always, I've mentioned it several times to my friend Dave. You know, yeah, I would much like to be that guy over there. You know, he's pushing the kids on the swing set, five o'clock dinner. You know, I me mean, like they had, a, yeah. they had a routine where ours was, fuck, we may drink today, shit, we may be in a mountain swimming tomorrow. We don't know, we just go with the flow, you know. Yeah, he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give you one, one good advice right now. I said, what's that advice? Do you know why that grass is green over there? I said, what's that? He goes, there's more bullshit over there. <laughs> he said, you got the same problems you got, brother. Yeah. You know, he just keeps it inside his house where he belongs. You yeah. know, his problems are his, not yours. So he keeps it inside his house. When he walks outside the door, he sees a smile on his wife and his kid's face because it's not your problems, they're his, so leave them behind. Just like when you go to work. You leave your problems at home, you don't bring them to work. When you're in school, you don't bring, you know what I mean? You, you, a man's problems are his. You know? yeah. Unless you're dealing with a counselor, somebody that's designed, a bartender, somebody that's designed to deal with, help you deal with your problems, you leave them inside. Therefore, when you're looking at him at that barbecue pit, that's the best he's got right there. You see him on his worst day. He ain't much different from you. You know, he puts his pants on one day at a time. He's got the same problems paying bills, keeping that rent, keeping that house, keeping that swing set, and keeping them kids smiling fed. You know? Yeah. Not no different than you or I, just you just don't see it. You know, here we are. We're out on the streets. You've got every your emotions out on your sleeve. I mean, they, by, by life, he's already told them who you are and what you are by repetitiveness. And, you know, in the past, uh, uh, hellraisers or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. just like with you, you look over and go, "Oh, that's Beaver Cleaver," because that's what life has told you. Oh, that's that's some normal people. They look over at you and go, "Oh, that's some gangbangers and street thugs," or you know, because they stereotype. Yeah. You know, like he told me, he's like, he's no different than you. You're no different than him. You can have that life. You just got to want it. You know, it's not nothing he's been born into, taught, bred, or anything. It's just, that's just what he wants in life. That's what completes him. Yeah. If that's what you want, go get it. There ain't nothing in life you can't do. You know, want to be the president? Go get it. You know what I mean? You better get into school, do what you got to do, whatever you have to do to get the future you want. It's not going to come to you unless you go out and get it. They're not gonna make you president if you ain't never went to school. No. You gotta set your life up for your goals to make that path, you know. So if your goal is here, you gotta make sure you go step one to get to step twenty, or you're not gonna get to step twenty. So it depends on your desires, your wants, and your wills to your future as to how you get there. After my brother's death, I didn't really have nothing in plan, you know. And then uh, once I got into the lifestyle I was in, I didn't have no plans of being a wife. You know, having a wife and having kids got to a point where I was like, you know, life's pretty damn boring. You know, and then I talked to some friends of mine, and I was like, you know, life's boring, man. <laughs> it, may, it may be exciting to everybody else. I'm bored as hell, man. I, I go, we can go to bed, man. I'm just done with this life, man. There's nothing in it for me that can, you know, there's no thrill left, man. It's like walking down a flat land instead of mountains, you know. They said, they told me, man, this whole life, no, dude. I go, I but I'm still bored, man. I, there's got to be something else out there for me, man, because I'm just in a stalemate, man. I don't know what it is. It's not you guys. It's not me. It's not It's not the life. I just, I feel empty. 
know, at the end of the night, there's no excitement. There's nothing to this life no more. I did it all, seen it all. There's no curveballs. There's no, you know, there's just nothing left for me now, you know. And I said, well, what do you think? I said, well, you know, my oldest boy was born scared fuck out of me. You know, they kid in your arms, you got to tell him not to stay in the place like that. You know, so I told him like that. Then you got to feed him, clothe him, and diaper him, and teach him how to say this, this, and that. And then explain to him why you got to say this, this, and that. And I mean, you got to know it all, and you got to do it all, because he depends on it. So that scared you? Oh, shit out of me, man. Yeah. I don't got all the answers. Hell, I didn't have a job. I'm like, Fuck, this little guy can't even speak. You know, he's, just, he's counting on me for his survival. He needs me, and I don't have all the answers, but he needs answers. So, I mean, just the not knowing and hard work and everything that goes into being a responsible man scared the shit out of me, you know, because hell, I've done everything but that. How old were you when he was born? 25. You were 25. Yeah. 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 And he was your first son. Yeah. That you know. <laughs> no, no, he, no, he was your first yeah, son. Yeah, I wasn't one of them guys that ran around and dated and all that. Yeah. I didn't need condoms. Hell, they would expire or tear up before I get a chance to use them. Yeah. So I, I wasn't the prettiest boy on earth. You know, I was pretty wild and crazy. How old was he when you, when you guys moved back up here? Oh, he didn't move back up here. Oh, you know, he was, uh, I think he was like two years old when we moved back here from Oakland, Georgia. And found my partner, Nate Ed. There's a few things went wrong while I was gone, and they're all his family. Did you, when when you found that out, did did you try to go on a spiral, or? Yeah, I tried to, because I'd already set plans in motion to be a father. I tried to do both, you know, uh, voluntarily back to where I was at, which was against everybody's fucking judgment, you know, because I hate you, you know, you got this kid, there's no life for this kid, this girl. She's just a fucking a street bunkin, man. She don't know. She don't belong here. That's what she is. This kid, you know. You, know, you can't drag him up here with you, bro. You, 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 you chose that. You got sure get off the pot. You know what you're doing. I'm like, I don't know, but I can't walk away from my partner. You know, he saved me after my brother's death. I can't. I can't let it go like that. You know, I. I, I just can't. You know, it's just something pulling me to you guys. I just gotta do what I gotta do, man. I don't know what. I don't got no answers for you. I don't know what it is I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a move. And I don't know if it's gonna be to be a father 100% or just handle business. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna take it day by day. Yeah. And finally made a decision, man. You know what? This girl deserves better than that. So I moved my mom into an apartment, got her a car, got her all straightened out. She didn't have much knowledge. Her mom didn't teach her much about parenting, didn't teach her much about children and diapers and feeding and crying. And Basically, like me, she didn't have any answers. The only difference is I had common sense and I had good parents that I was brought up. Yeah. You know, I knew how to cook, clean, and you know, I told her, man, I got you all set up, man. You know, my mom's gonna, my mom's gonna give you the answers you don't got. It's all covered. Bills are all covered. You got an income through welfare, social security. There's a car downstairs, the apartment. My mom, he's a kid. I mean, that's all I can do for you, man. I got a job. I just moved back here. I got issues, internal problems now with family issues, and, and I just gotta go. You know, I'm be here, but I'm not gonna be here. You know, you can't come looking for me around town either, man. It's like you used to do, cause you're gonna get my kid hurt, and if you get my kid hurt, I'll erase your whole family. You know, that's that's my namesake. His name's Garrett Nay. It's my brother's namesake, <clears throat> and uh, better remember that and raise him accordingly, man. You know. And, 
Well, make sure you're going to be all right. Because you're never going to, you ain't going to have the best of nothing. I always do, but you ain't going to do it without either. Me and my kids are going to be safe. Your head's going to be all right. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, I'm going to my brother's back here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hit the fan. I thought we were checking this out. Once you move your fucking ass on out the fucking apartment, then we fucking fired you. And so she left. And so I went out and filed for custody. And they gave custody. Went to uh, mediation. She didn't show up. And uh, mediation's like, well, what do you want? I said, well, I just want 51% custody. I just want to be able to decide what this kid's life's going to be like. I no matter what his mom makes some decisions. And I want to see a doctor. I, I want to be the one to decide when he goes to go. Haircuts. Clothes, doctor, I, mean, I just want to be the deciding vote in what this child does instead of that, that hillbilly that wanted her fucking brothers. And then I want her to do her part in life. You know, I just want to overshadow it and make sure the kid gets what he needs. And the guy's like, man, that could never hurt any man fighting for him and his wife's rights. <laughs> Most of them just take that 100% run off and write her off the books, then, and find a new one to replace her. And they never look back because she don't want to part. She's not here in the courtroom. She automatically get in the thing. Anyhow, I'm like, well, that's not fair to my kid. Yeah. You know, DNA to the lady, she's here in town. I mean, eventually she's going to come back in his life. You know, so why confuse the issues and make abortions going to be? Might as well set it up for the day that she's coming back. She'll already have her portion handled. We ain't got to do this court shit again down the road. You know, so you get it done now, give her her portion. And you guys were married for 12 years at that time. Oh, no. We, no, we were oh. We were, me and the first girl. We oh, the first girl. Yeah. yeah, no, we, we were never married. We, she, uh, I'm not even sure it was mine, you know, I was messing around. I met her, people invited me to a kegger, a live band. I showed up on the bike, I started at JV. You know, she followed me around this house like a fucking fluffy dog. You know, that 2 a.m. kind of Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. 2 a.m. come around, everybody up here, and here's this girl barefoot and dirty clothes. I'm like, who's that guy? Who, I mean, who, who raised this girl right now? I mean, caveman or what? Yeah. We shoot four around a table, we talk to I split the second night. They had another kegger. I went back out to my bike. It's foggy. You couldn't even see. And so she said, Won't you stay at night? And I said, Well, you know, I was 18. She was 17. Somewhere around there. And I told her, Well, I'll tell you what. You call your mom. You let her know I'm just sticking. I could tell the girl needed me. There wasn't a date thing. I mean, I, a couple of days, I, I, I mean, I could feel it. I, I knew what time it was. So you can call your mom. Your mom never came home. Your brothers ran the place. And it was an old church. And here they throw carriers, live bands every night. I'm like, these fuckers might knock these boys upside the head and put them into attention, you know, and take care of their sister in a different way. And she never called her mom. And I got on the phone with mom. I said, look, man, I'm going to stay here at your house tonight because it's too dangerous for me riding my motorcycle. I didn't try it. I ran off the road. I'm just wrecked out here in the ocean. I'm on my way to Visalia. It was safe, man. So I'm gonna stay here at your house tonight if it's all right with you. You ain't gotta worry about nothing. It could be monogamous. So you know, I'm not, I'm not planning on pushing up on your daughter. And she never met me. She said, Well, there's no hanky panky. I said, Man, I'm telling you what the point is, man. I'm just here, just trying to get through the night and safely and be alive tomorrow. And so I stayed the night. And that you know, night, her brother walked into the room. And I just popped the bed. What's up, partner? What the fuck are you doing? This ain't no goddamn motel room. I said, you know what that fucking snake's gonna fucking leave you up in here, boy. I mean, she's trying to sleep. She needs a rest. I didn't need to when I walk out. She started to say something else. I knocked him from one end of the fucking bedroom across the hallway and down. 
said, well, I'm not going to tell you twice. Finally, you don't come to this building unless you're not. So maybe she, she, she changed. She did a lot of different things. She always could be bug naming kid free. You don't know. You think they were doing something to her? Uh, I just guess it's just, yeah. you know, there's families like that. I mean, there it's not is. for me to judge. No, I don't approve of it. No, I was raised. No, I wasn't raised that way. But I didn't even know. You know, nine out of ten women are sexually molested or raped by the age of 18. Now, I didn't realize that you know, for years. Yeah. Until I started dating and having kids. I wonder what the hell's wrong with them. Like, you know what I mean? That's why I quit dating my girl. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I suspect it is, you know, some things that my kid might be more diverse. Hey, I mean, about six foot seven, about 300, 400 pounds. I mean, about as backwards as you get, but it's mine. You know, he's got my last name. It's my kid. I let him go at five. She disappeared with him. I was okay with that because I was knee deep in some shit and it was a part of his death. And so I welcomed that, you know, and kept hearing things about, you know, by faith and luck alone, her, her new husband just happened to be a kid I used to beat up like every fucking day of my childhood. They hated me. If he just mentioned my name, he just fucking, he just ready to take off and fucking kill everybody. <laughs> just happened to be my kid's stepdad. Just have a look. You know, and so he didn't like my kid too much because he could whoop him and could whoop me. And they lived out in Missouri. Of course, I was in California, so he's the baddest motherfucker out there. He just whooped everything in, in sight because I wasn't there. Just locked the kid in the closet and all kinds of shit. And everybody just agreed. And then, fuck it, your mom and I'm sitting up here in town, partner. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, hold my kid off. I said, I can, I'll snatch your dad up. I'll get your attention real quick. By the way, ain't your brother in prison, too? I think he's up in there with some of my partners. You know, he may not make it out. You might want to ease up off my boy a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I keep hearing shit about you locking my kid up. We're going to have issues out here with your family. You might want to have to come out here for a funeral or two if you want to get right. And so I, it's just, there was always, like I, I didn't plan on being back in that lifestyle. So it, it just kept drawing me to the kid. People kept saying, hey, your boy, man, did you hear him? So I had issues, man, and I was still knee deep in the middle of shit. And now he's about, I don't know, 10 or 11. And since I had custody of him, I went out there and I visited his mom and dad and his brother after he got out of prison. I explained to them how I needed that address and what they were doing. They didn't know where my kid and dad was. And they, they was probably in the best interest of giving me that address. And, and they did. They gave me the phone number and address. And I talked to the district attorney and they said, well, you know, we can't, we're just going to come hand this kid to you. I mean, granted, she wasn't supposed to take him out of the state of California. The state said they paid for it, but we go get him, bring him back, take him from you, and put him in a home of your own. I said, man, I think I have a kid in the Surrey County system. So what do I got to do? What do I need to do to be prepared for this kid when you bring him back to me? Well, you get off the streets, you got to have a house. It'd be in your best interest if you was married. And, you know, I had to have a roof on to at least sleep in when you got here. I mean, the bare essentials at least, you know, yeah. if not a job, I mean, at least a fucking home and an income and some food and a roof and, you know, the wife is, is a plus side of things. You know, the more you got to provide, the less we got to come knocking on the door and seeing what he don't got. So I got married about that next week on a baseball diamond at home plate. And uh, just made a deal with her. She got your problems at home with her brother. And one of them beat his dad up, put him in the hospital, and then he died. So I went over and talked to her brother a few times throughout our marriage. And, and uh, so she married. We got a house, and I got my boy back. Didn't work out because 
wanted her to raise a kid. It wasn't hers. Why not run the streets and do what you know, do the things I was doing? Again. I just wanted. She didn't want that. I just needed something there for to know my kid was safe, not being a punk, not being a, yeah. being mentally abused, stuck in closets. And, but he wasn't any safer you know, here with me. It was probably safer there being mentally abused by that dude that was here. Because at any moment he could have been killed. You know, and the people I was dealing with, man. I ain't thinking about that. You know, I thought, well, I can do both. I can be a responsible dad and, and a good old boy. You just can't, you, know, you can't mix the two lifestyles. You just can't. You know? So for the second time, I had let the kids go. You know? but the mom, this time, the mom, she hit a maturity stage. She, she's a good mom. You know? she, the kid's a good Christian kid now. She graduated high school. She's going to college. She's actually got a, a, a fiance. They live together and they ain't having sex or nothing. They're both virgins and they go to church. And, and, I was supposed to go to the wedding before my divorce ended up and everything kind of works out. <clears throat> I haven't talked to them since, but I was supposed to go up there and meet the wife and the, and the wedding thing to meet his, his brother and sisters for the first time. Everything worked out always the way it was supposed to be, you know. And, you know that. You think uh, life has been shitting on you since you've been well, younger? You know, like a lot? It seems like that, but you know, that's because you live your life. So, I mean, I'm not paying attention to Louis' life because, like my brother said, ain't nobody much different from each other. Everybody yeah. got Everybody's got problems, right? You know, same shit going on in every relationship, every religion, every race. You got the same stuff going on. You, know, yeah. you got poverty in every race, religion. You got, you know, you, you got your pedophiles in, in every every family. Got them. I don't care what color you are. Every family got them. You got that angry got person, you got that drunk, you got, you got, got the gangster, that prisoner, yeah. the churchgoer. I mean, every nationality in every family got just about the same going on in it as everyone else. You just pay, you're supposed to pay more attention to your own, so it just seems like life is beating you a little harder because you're not over there paying attention to it. Nowadays, it ain't so much like that, man. These people are so busy with their nose up your ass. They don't even notice they don't shut your electric off. You worry about me not fucking, you know, my electric bill being high, they don't shut yours off while he's looking at mine, you know. No. But it seemed like I was mad at God for a while. I'm not going to lie. I was raised, you know, religious. Jehovah's uh, Witnesses when I was growing Jehovah's Witnesses? We didn't do the church, or we didn't do the Christmas thing. And, no, no celebrations. Right? No, I don't. But the church left me with a lot of unanswered questions. So I, I never felt like that was where I should be, you know, with religion. Why? You know, my brother died. I just didn't understand why God would do something to a 12-year-old kid like that. You know, we're like twins. Ever since as long as I can remember, we were in the same grade. We shared the same clothes. We shared the same bed. I said, I wouldn't have had no friends if it wasn't for him. Yeah. He used to pull me out of that. I'd get into these stages where, like, I'd be just fucking stabbing a box, dude. I mean, just in my own mindset, and I could feel them coming up behind me. I'm like, Peter, stay with me, man. Don't stay back. And you get too close, and I stabbed him. I stabbed him with glass in the throat once. I stabbed him in his hand with a knife. I slung enough plastic on him out of a burning girl's. He was at one. It was like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, you know, the twins movie. But he was a good one. And I just didn't understand why God, I know why God put him in my life, you know. And I, he was the one brought me down to, to humbleness and brought my anger down to, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have no friends if it wasn't for him. Brother got in a fight over a bicycle and rolled off and died in my arms. Never got to tell him nothing other than I was tough that bitch and I gave him fucking blessed. Last word I said was good. And, and he died in my arms, you know. And 
both boarded down south in L.A. And I just couldn't see why God would pick that moment, you know. And so I hated him. Well, I couldn't fuck him. He hated me first, and I hated him back, you know. And for about a year, man, I, I hated that, man. So a couple of times throughout life, I tried to change it and tried to, you know, get a little closer to him and understand him more by jumping in a few churches. I was baptized at the Assembly of God there in Tulare. My cousin and them ran the, the youth group there. So I joined it. Right off the bat, man, it was just like high school when I dropped out. Everybody had a social fucking crowd in there. Everybody had a circle in there. You know, and had a, a fucking four boy street thug. It wasn't a circle for me. It was like a unicorn standing in a damn building. You know, you, you, no one wanted to talk to you standing like, fuck, I could watch a school dance. That's the same goddamn thing as we got going on here. You know, yeah. it's supposed to be a church. You know what I'm saying? You guys, you guys got it all. You're supposed to you're supposed to tell me how I can get it. You know, you're supposed to, I'm from the streets. I'm a fucking sinner. You're supposed to bring me into church and show me what God, why you guys have the answers that I don't. Yeah. You know, why God is the way to go. You're his tools. You're, you know, you got his tools, his book. I mean, you got the knowledge. Tell me why I need him. You know, that's what your job is. You know, if I'm selling down jacuzzis, I'm going to tell you why you need one. I'm going to talk to you. You really, you need a, in fact, you need two of me and tell your family <laughs> they need one, you know, because that's what you do. You that's know? what you do. And these guys weren't doing it. No, I told my cousin about it, man. And he hadn't noticed it because he grew up with money. My aunt married a man that was a hard worker. In fact, he's uh, one of the biggest, uh, was one of the biggest cop fighters in, in the area. He was in the weird books and all that back mm-hmm. before that illegal was cut down. So they had money. They owned some liquor stores. And they had uh, bikes. They pretty much had everything everybody else had that we didn't have. So they grew up in that social crowd. So it wasn't nothing new for them. You know, looking out, of, uh, out there at the youth groups in that church, it seemed normal. It wasn't normal. That's why life was out on the streets for me. That's how life was in school for me. That's how life was in the social crowd for me. I was that social butterfly. No one ever noticed. But I, I knew people and things about them. They're like, well, how do you? Well, I was standing right next to you, son. Dude. You don't, well, I don't remember you being there. <laughs> I borrowed your pencil, your shoes, and your fucking girlfriend. You don't remember me? You know what I mean? Because you just weren't part of the crowd. Yeah. And then he went in front of the church. I mean, the whole congregation, those followers, when he delivered a message to them that lit a fire in their ass, he went off on them, man. You want this socialist? And he brought it to the, the adults' attention about how they're leading these kids to the wrong message. And when them kids are leading the wrong messages, and, and here they hit the streets, you know, in them days, you're supposed to go and go preach to people. So if you go put in the footwork and you drag them into that goddamn church and then you ignore them once they get there because they message like you and they don't talk like you and they they ain't the same crowd as you, why the hell you go talk to them on the streets and talk them into coming to your house? In the first place. Yeah, if you're just going to ignore them, you know, like who the hell invites somebody to their house and you just let them roam around, you know? So you invited me to God's house, I'm here, I want to hear what you got to say. Why why was it so important you come in the middle of my circle where we're getting high on marijuana and drinking beer? And tell me about this man who's got all the answers going to save me. Here I am. Now, you spit out a good a good speech, man. I always got my attention. And, you know, and when you do stuff like that, it discourages people. Right? Yeah. Maybe he don't got all the answers. Well, maybe religion, and that's where, that was my focal point right there. Was, no. At that point, I could have went religious, man. I probably would have got a job. I probably got married. You know what I mean? I would have had that normal life right out, out the gate. To the first job I ever had, 35. Never had a license before then either. You know, my life began at 35 instead of 18, like most people are supposed to do. 
What was your first job? A pizza Hut. No, Pizza Hut. You were delivering pizzas? No, I was washing dishes. You were washing dishes? I had to wear long sleeves because of my tattoos. And I couldn't even got that job. I had to up to my cousin being the manager. Mm-hmm. I applied everywhere I could apply to. They told me they weren't hiring. But just put two or three new, new little teenagers with new uniforms. And I was like, oh, you just gave her a new hat and uniform. I guess you just hired her, but you ain't hiring her. You got two more. What are you doing interviews? But who wants an old fucking man, an old fart? I try to run up here and buy a goddamn hamburger from an old man, but you put a young girl up there, all of a sudden they, they want a soda and a hamburger. You feel surprised in there, too, honey. And make know? them large, too. Yeah. <laughs> Could you blink your eyes one more time, every girl? Because I'm going to go home and beat the wife up. I'm going to tear it up. <laughs> but, so I understood that part of it. You know, yeah. How do you tell them what, what experience you got? Well, you know, when I was 12, I used to irrigate. Well, you're not 12 no more, sir. You're 35. And, well, What'd you do in the meantime? I went yeah. to sleep from 12 to 35. And, you know, and I'm just not waking up. Well, I did some work in the kitchen. It was in the county. Room. Oh, you worked for the county? No, I was actually locked up. <laughs> I, <worked laughs> I, I kind of worked yeah, for him. I cooked for him, but uh, yeah, it was a handcuff. But, yeah. <laughs> so there wasn't really much you could put on a resume for that. And anyhow, uh, it, it started out like that. I said, at that point in the church, had they not discouraged me? I probably would have stuck in there. I've always been a religious man, you know, a religious base, but it was at that point, man, where I was, you know, I would have probably come off the streets. Dude, I was just had left my mom and dad. Pat. I was still young. I hadn't really got into nothing yet, you know, but I was curious and was ready to try sample just about anything in life other than living at home with mom and dad. I was done with that, you know. I didn't, me and my dad, we just didn't come to understand it. It was too much life. Oh, I just had to move. Since he paid the bills, I figured he had to do it. You know, he told me, "Look, you got two ways out. You can climb out the window like a little bitch, or you can stand up and walk out the front door like a man." I said, "Well, you want to check this?" <laughs> and when I woke up, <laughs> I got my clothes, and he said, "All right, man, you know what? You come back to my house anytime like a man. You knock on that door, and uh, I'll uh, I'll reach you like a man. You know, you take care of yourself, and I'll treat you like a man. You act like a man, you take care of your." your Responsibilities like a man, and I'll welcome you like a man. If not, you come back on my doorstep, I'll take you back in, but not until you tell me I was right, you were wrong, and you failed. I said, but I'll see you when I get married, I guess, sir. You know, because I don't fail at nothing. I'm a moron. I don't fail at nothing. If I set my mind to it, I'm going to do it. He so showed me. I left at 16, never went home. I'll come back and visit that man several times. Moved home, never moved back in, been on my own, supporting myself, raising myself. Is he still alive? No, he died. He died. Then my mom divorced once my little brother turned 18, the youngest one turned 18. She had a lot of problems. Yeah. She, she grew up, she was kind of like some of the girls I've been with. Uh, I suspect I, I do like pixies, get to know my family out there because I was told my whole life since I was a hump on the side to go play basketball with the kids, go to the campuses, all that. And my dad's side was kind of the roughneck. Street thug type style. They were just hard farm migrants on my dad's side. But they had a lot of good values instilled, you know, in my mom. And it took me a long time to enter an adult. I didn't learn that my dad was the hand behind my mom raising us was my father. You know, the way we were raised was because my father chose that way. And she did so because she knew better. You know, my mom didn't encourage her to come home. That's the man you got kids, you keep your ass in at home. That's your new family. That's your husband. That's the way it was back then. You know, come yeah. home. Yeah, you know, that's what, don't bring your troubles back here. Yeah. I didn't bring them. My grandkids are not my kids. I'm not raising them. I'm not raising you either. 
didn't believe in it. But move home and stay home. You know, and leave me alone. So she stayed with my pop. You know, that's why we left the LA he was that machinist down there. Mm-hmm. And made pretty good money. He worked for a company that called Rockwell and they just demanded a big government contract to build a space shuttle park or something or another a shield or something that went on a space shuttle. He was a welder, a machinist in the, in the grinder. And my mom left and took us and moved to Pixley where her family was at. So he quit his job up there and come back down here to get us and then he stayed. Found all his machine tools, climbed on a tractor and loved it. The money wasn't good, but he just loved it. And I think you know building a, a County for you know for people to live, man, and farm, and eat, and grow, and eat cotton, corn, silage, and you know for shops, buttes, you know for them and everything. We, I mean, we were white Mexicans. You know, I, I called myself a Caucasian Mexican, but because I was subject to doing any Mexican in any occasion, you know, <laughs> I love them, man. That's, they're my family. I grew up so, I, which was hard, you know, because you got to be more Mexican than Mexican. And you have uh, your son. Uh, Tobias? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And uh, your daughter? Esperanza. Esperanza. With their mom. Yeah. And she is Hispanic? Yeah. Yeah. All the girls, I, I, I quit dating white girls shortly after my oldest kid. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get on the same level with them. I, just, I grew up in the migrant apartments, you know. I, I didn't understand why, why you act like a bitch can't cope with me. Because I am, though. No, society dictates you gotta be that way, but you don't gotta be that way. I grew up out in the goddamn country. I don't know how to speak open. You know, like, the hell you gotta, why you gotta sleep in your brother's bed to keep warm? You can't turn the heater on? Like, I mean, I just, everything I was raised normal, you know, the simple things in life in this country. So when we moved to Tulare, that was like living in LA to me. Yeah. You mean I can walk down the road to the damn store? I had to walk half a mile to catch a bus, whether it be Goshen or Hamburg, to live right in the middle. And then after my brother's death, hell, I rode seven buses to get to school. I got kicked, kicked out of every school from there. Fuck it. If I say county line, I, I lived it right there almost in Goshen. I went to Kings River all the way. Yeah. So I, I, I cleared the Kings River to, to go to school because I didn't want to kick out of every school. Yeah. Fighting and raising hell, but everyone, I, I had to go to my house to Delta View, which is right there on the freeway, catch a bus from there to Kit Carson, catch another bus from there. I, I jumped on a handicapped bus, which went over to another spot where a bunch of buses parked and off there, got on another bus. And, you know, I just, you know, I, that's when we moved to Tulare. By, by that time, I just, I just didn't go. You know, they had corporal punishment back there, and I was 8 years old with my brother's death. And shit, I, I get on the school campus, I didn't get spanked right off the bat with a fucking paddle when I get home because I got work from school. I get my ass kicked at home too, so it was double ass kicking almost every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. Back then it wasn't all easy. You just troublemakers. You just you mm-hmm. can't sit still in class and you're just acting up. There wasn't no medical term for it. Or the fuck up. You know, they take you in the office and bust your ass with a paddle. And, and your son fight. doesn't do that now in, in school, right? No. Well, you said he's doing great in school. He is now. You know, he was, he got molested when he was with his grandma. She was watching out on a truck. You know, my out of state thing trying to earn enough time to go local. Got hurt. His eyebrows and lips stitched up once. And he got molested. He was crying in school. Just, just, just a humble man, you know, because I'm like, well, 
I know I'm not the best somebody on earth to talk to. You know, I, I could kill a giant if it comes to hurt a kid. I don't care if yours or mine. But even more so if it's mine, I'd do the world for my kid because he's standing behind me. If I got out of his mouth, you know, get my kid with a book, he'd like you, he'd cry. Just, life would just fuck him up and very possible to have. Mm-hmm. You know, when he got hurt, he stitches when he was with his grandma and he accidentally got hurt. Called him from the truck. He actually sent me a video. Stitches, and I can hear them all laughing in the background. Yeah, I call him up. I said, what the fuck, man? I'm clear out of state. You need to speak in the back of this fucking diesel truck. Why are you going to send me a photo like that, man? I, said, I can't just jump off the fucking truck and run back to California. It's not my truck. I got to go through brokers. I got to get loads going from back east all the way back over to fucking California. I can't be here tomorrow. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just give me a call saying, hey, can you get back ASAP? It's important. Why would you send me a video? Your mom and your aunt said, I'm laughing about my kid in stitches. I called my boy and said, son, what happened? I don't know, dad. I got hurt. You wasn't here. That's what he said? That's what he said. Then he hung up. That was my boy. Uh, notice I wasn't there. You know, I, I upset my mind to it. I'm, I was going to raise this kid. And I was going to raise him right. If, 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 I'm going to compete to hunt to a fucking truck driving job. So I can, I can provide. Rapidly go from nothing to, to something pay-wise. Yeah. And, uh, Said nothing. Oh, and I got off the truck, came home, and got that fixed. And next thing you know, man, I'm on dealing with more than being molestation or some shit that happened when he was with his grandma again. You know, it's, you know, uh, it's just, uh, every county, he kind of failed me then, too. I mean, it took him like street buddies to fix my kid. You know, I had to force them. I went down to Johnson's Drive Powder. I complained. They weren't going to do nothing about it. I said, what the fuck do you mean you ain't going to do nothing about it, man? Called the detective over. I said, you don't seem to understand, sir. My kid's crying. Somebody tried to touch my kid's shit, man. You need to fucking, you need to do something, man. I mean, how am I going to fix this kid, man? I don't know nothing about counseling. I, I, mean, I work for a living, dude. You know? I mean, I got people beating down my door to tell me how to mentally fix this kid, man. You know, like, well, you know, I, don't know, I don't know much about your son's case, but uh, I got stuff on my desk where I might actually catch somebody. You know, that your son's was a one-time event. So well, I thought you didn't know nothing about my son's case. So I thought all of a sudden you know it was a one-time event. All of a sudden you got all the answers. It hung up on me. I said, oh, you son of a bitch, you don't seem to understand. I went down to Johnson Street Police Department. I went up in there. And I'm like, you motherfuckers don't understand. I'm a convict. I give a fuck. Give me time. I'll do it all day. I'll stand on my head to do time for my kid. I give a fuck. That went up to me. You need to tell Detective so-and-so me and my smart followers here. That motherfucker's going to see me because if you don't, I'm going to raise fucking hell. Somebody's going to have to come give me a pair of handcuffs. So I will be seeing some type of an officer, whether it be one on the bottom or one on the top. One of you motherfuckers will come talk to me. I'm going to do it right now. I ain't going to be over the phone. And she said, have a seat. And I sat there and waited. She called me back up to the window. She said, uh, Mr. Moore, he assigned your case to a detective. But he's going to come talk to you. Would you like to do it here in the office? I said, man, I don't care if we do it right there across the street at the fucking the football bowl. I don't care if we do it in the office out there in the parking lot. I ain't one of them ones that want to hide nothing. I don't give a shit what we discuss as long as we get this shit out in the open and we get my kid fixed. I don't care what we got to do to do it. And maybe it showed up and she just happened to be a girl, but I was happy about that. Because who better to understand a broken child than a mom? Yeah. Uh, they give birth to us. They give us a life. And, you know, I just told her the truth, man. I'm like, look, man, I need you to help me help my kid, man. I can go catch a case real quick, but that's not going to help him. He said, behind bars, man. You know, that's not going to stop the next fucker from doing it. They finally hear. I used to be Superman to this kid. I used to think nobody could hurt him. 
and I couldn't be hurt, you know, and, and I was wrong, you know, and I want to be, I want to be Superman in this kid's eyes again, and I don't know how to get that back, I know he's trying, I know he's hurt, I know what's going on in his life, I just know what he told us, man, you know, and I need you to help me, man, because I don't know, I don't know nothing about the insides of fucking counseling, I don't know society, I just know it's true. And she helped you. She absolutely did. She she got us hooked up with a car interview, and uh, and they said, yeah, there's some, definitely something happened to this kid. It was a one-time event. I'm like, how the fuck do you people? How do you? How many? How can you count how many times your child's been molested? I mean, from one to fifty. I'm like, how do you know they touch you fifty times if you weren't there? I mean, you, a kid shows you that something's going on, but how in the hell do you determine how many times a child's been molested? You just know they are. I mean, you can go by years. I mean, fuck me. Well, you know, it seems like maybe around five or six or seven just started happening when he was a kid. It probably happened his whole life. So for 20 years it happened. But you can't put a time. I wonder they touched him five times within that one year. How do you know? You know? How do you know they tried and didn't and it was a one-time event that's never going to happen again? Did that person promise you that or what? You know, it's a victims of violent crime. Why are they doing a card in they did an application. They granted us uh, counseling. They're going to cover my kid. They said, we're going to cover your son and you and your wife. I said, well, about my little girl? Oh, no, nothing happened to her. I said, I give a fuck, man. This is a one-family household, man. Yeah. We don't do nothing just at one or two or three. Or six. It's all or nothing, you know. It, it, you bet your ass it affects her. Mom and dad's fighting over her. You know, my, my, my little boy's full of shit that's happened to him. It's affecting her. If he's crying and he ain't acting like a normal big brother he used to be, that's affecting her. So I beg to differ with you, sir. You're wrong. And she needs counsel. She needs counsel just as much as my kid does. And if you ain't going to give us all, then don't give us nothing, you know? That, that ain't how we work here in my family. So I made them a couple. My kids have covered each other age 18, about the same time, you know, and had any time for any kind of counseling. Me and her had all the counseling. We had everything available to us for free. That could have fixed our marriage and our kids. It did fix my kids to an extent. It didn't fix him at school society though. You know, I had a, a nephew of mine, Sammy Mejia. <coughs> it's uh, my partner Nay's nephew. Uh, he's been in prison a few times, but his stepson came through, helped the kid, man. He helped your kid? That kid was the meanest kid in school. Everybody in school was scared of that kid. Yeah. And he was, uh, I remember my son found out they were related. I said, everybody, my son married. You know what I'm saying? They noticed him now. Because he's going to beat the shit out of you if you didn't. You know what I'm saying? You didn't just walk by and push him aside, motherfucker. You recognize he's here. Hey, how you doing, Nehemiah? You speak to that motherfucker. I'll beat your ass, punk. And the teacher ain't looking. I'll fuck you up, man. Yeah. I'll show these kids some respect. You know, kid, hey, fuck. Anyhow, <clears throat> he fixed my kid, bro. Here at uh, El Diamante? No, it started out over here at Beaver Blunt. Back then, they were at Beaver Blunt Bikes. Yeah. And, uh, man, I actually did a lot for each other, you know, because he was not so out to run out and get in trouble. He kind of held that kid back. Like, yeah, I don't know what we did. And this is where he gets a job where to hang out with my son. So instead of going over there and getting in trouble, like, no, no, we kick it over here where he normally didn't kick it because there's no troublemakers over there. To be with Nehemiah, so yeah, at the same time, he pet Nehemiah's up, you know, and they just leave the kid in school, you know, <laughs> he got a little attitude on him. 
they got over here to uh, La Jolla, where she lived. Come home, he said, Dad, they just let me not play anymore. <laughs> I said, Son, you guys are always moving for native folk. You know, you guys, you're getting armpit hair, man. You know, you probably notice it grows from that. We didn't need to change all that, man. You know, you just, you just know, you know, you know, you know, I said, Son, you're going to make your own kids. You know, you don't want to hang out with this guy and that girl. You don't, you don't want to do that, but he does, you know. If you have albums, man, you'll find your own for them. That boy got more friends I can count now. He got a source of life on his Xbox. He's in his oh second year of fucking high school football. And he's a normal kid to the eighth grade stage. Did they uh, allow him to go back to training after football? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they started this year, and then I guess somebody drove by, thought they'd make it their business, and tried to file a lawsuit against the school for them being out there practicing football during ah. COVID. And Till all the parents stood up and said, hey, motherfucker, ain't your kid? They're model kids. We think it's more than fine for them to be out there practicing damn football. Why want them stuck behind the goddamn closed doors at home? They need to be out and about and get some sunshine. That's where you get your damn vitamins from. You That's know? right. You know, the kids got to be out there. We just ain't meant to be locked behind closed doors. And, and all, we're, all our parents, we were okay with the coaches being out there practicing with these kids, even if they didn't play a game this year at all. That's, that was normalness for that my kid and all these other kids, and that's what we wanted. We want some stability and normalness in this kid's life. That's her sitting at home worrying about some damn disease they can't control or do nothing about. You know, the mental health of these kids is important. We need to do something to make sure that they stay on the right track and not just go off and just go off that's, a damn rabbit hole. That's the future. We don't teach them. No, that's we the don't future. Teach them. I mean, hopefully we have a little future. Yeah. If you don't guide them in the right direction, where's your future going? Product to society, you know, if they don't know to, to to go out and start a company and provide something that your community needs, a service, if you don't teach them that, then pretty soon you don't have a community, you know, because you and I can only do so much. Hell, we don't, we don't live forever. Sure. You know, kids are the future. You hand down the knowledge and get them to the right classes and people to give them the other knowledge that we can set them up for the future so that they can go and succeed and better where we left off. Don't pass that right knowledge on to them. There is no future, you know. So why even have a kid? Yeah. Your son's here at, at uh, El Diamante, yeah. and your daughter is still in uh, junior high. She, she's a she's over here <clears throat> the way. She don't come around much anymore. Uh, she just don't have nothing to do with dad. You know, divorce. She decided which is something I didn't. We, we didn't encourage them to do so. He decided he's going to take care of dad. Parts, you know, both of the kids were more worried about us. They had more more of us in mind than we had in mind. You know, yeah. We worried about trying to do a clean separation. She was a clean separation and very little ripples. And you know, like it seemed to me like it was just something she had planned. You know, I, had, I guess it was a part-time marriage to me. I thought we, I had no plans outside of marriage. Literally had no plans. Except for two years next door there. Trump, go to work, come on, pass out. Go to work, come on, pass out. I had no plans of being a single man. Man, I yeah. started that life out. That's how I got to her. You know, but hell, I had that life, man. I gave my boy up and went back to the streets, man. I didn't want to be a single parent. You know, we started this thing out together, and I told you from the gate when you when I took you from your dad's house, look, I'm going to win it, man. I'm going to show you. I'm going to get my shit together. 
stuff to make me $20 an hour in the union. Well, I got $20,000 worth of cosmetic dentistry done. That's why I can smile for the kids at school and, and, and parenting and, and all that shit. And got the credit all squared out. Bought us new cars. So I'm about to buy her a home. And mom died, but dad needed the more than I did, I guess. Life is what it is, you know. I didn't have no plans but raising children like this. But I'm done. <laughs> we don't even speak for more than a year. And I asked her, you know, why did my little girl come around? And then why she even talking to her? I call her on the phone. She's always busy. She don't talk for a second. Now she'll even ride over here when you pick my son up. She'll even ride over here so I can speak to her through the car window. You know, what's going on? I'm not welcome in the house over here no more. All of a sudden, you know, all the separation, you know, this COVID shit kicked in. And you and your dad just all huddled down inside the damn house, man. You know, you know she's like, I don't know she mad at you. I was wondering how she mad about it. What's he matter with? Oh no, just talk to her about it. I said, well, you're the mom, you, you got no clues? I mean, shouldn't you fucking be encouraging her to come down with me with this? She's just not behind her at all. She's, I mean, my little girl thinks that she's just doing the right thing, you know? If she's going to grow up and love hating her mom, just like I hate my mom. You know, she cut me out of my pops' life when they divorced. I thought he was the dirtiest subject in life, 25 years of marriage, he's six kids. I turned 18, and all of a sudden, you're done with it, fell her side. You know, we didn't get taught about those problems. We didn't even know they had any marital problems. That's the way parents are supposed to keep it, you know. I believed everything my mom told me, you know. My dad told me nothing. And because of that, she decided to bust me, you know. You know I thought because he had no no problems and no bitches that he was all the problem. Boy, was I wrong, you know. After his death, my mom didn't even have nothing to do with me. She much like him, she she fucking hates me, man. You know, she raised my nephews, and they're totally fucking opposite. And I'm like, how the hell does one woman raise two different fucking kids, and they'll be totally opposite, you know? Why do they fit in more like a cog right there with my kids' moms and my girlfriend's life, baby, than I do? You know, same goddamn mom, different dad. You know, my brother was their dad. She's still alive, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love her. I just don't got no much respect for her. That, she, changed, she, she changed up on me. And, you know, you're supposed to be that one that had all the answers when I was growing up. But you didn't tell me Pops was giving you the fucking answers. You know, he told me he was, he was really heavy-handed. He wasn't a social guy, you know. If he had to speak to you. But back then, they weren't. If he had to speak to you, he was usually kicking your ass. I didn't know the fuck he was an adult. He didn't raise his hand to women. He, uh, he, he never, never, I've never heard him cuss or even yell at my mom. You know, he had a violent side to him. Uh, I imagine they had some conversations. Her family members had some, you know, they some hunting. They had some accidents along the way when I was growing up. And we had a normal life traveling the country. Every now and again, they'd come out to some events and shit. Maybe get their ass kicked. Sometimes they'd drive off and go hunting, and one of them fall out of the truck or something. But, you know, we didn't know nothing about that life. You know, and, yeah. and, and so we just grew up normal out in the middle of nowhere. You know, we didn't hang out with my mom's side. We didn't hang out with my pop's side. You yeah. Know? Some days, man, he'd be gone to work before we got up out of bed. And we'd be in bed before we got home. It was seven days a week sometimes. And Silas says, we never seen him. He was out there turning that fucking equipment around and keeping it in that field. And he'd get that Silas bonus, and he, that was that was our school choice for the whole year. You know, we got six times, got five boys and one girl. 
she's got to have different clothes. We got to have all that shoes. That's six pairs of shoes right there off the bat, you know. And six shirts, and six pants, and six underwears, and six socks, and, and that's just for one day. You know what I'm saying? So and this is the first day of school kicking off, you know, and, and Christmas too. You know, you just I didn't know all this until I became a parent. You know, like how much it goes entitled to just raising two, let alone six, and five boys at that. That just dealt with one boy. I couldn't imagine having five me and my sister with the problems I've had with, with, with society and life. And different personalities. Everybody's different. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, and I see Nehemiah's over here more often. Oh, you know, he he, he does his own schedule. You know, uh-huh. That's the one thing I can say about me and my wife is that we ain't had to have no court. She don't, she don't, she don't press me to, to go to court. She don't hit me for child support. She used to help me out a whole lot. I know she loved me. That had never been a question in my mind. But uh, she still loves me. I know she does. It's just like just, you know, didn't encourage her to stay and tough it out. Because fucking punk-ass dad needed someone to wipe his ass and help pay his fucking bills. Because he figured, well, I got the best mom. My mom bitched at me all the time when she was at home. So now she ain't here. Hell, my daughter, she won't bitch at me because I raised her not to. You can raise your kids to fucking question you, argue, or tell you shit. So it's like having a grown-ass kid living with you. She's just going to hand her paycheck over, go shopping. She's going to clean the house. She's going to do everything you tell her to do because she's your kid, not your wife. You know, and, and it's bullshit. You know, she, he comes before my kids, and, and I ain't lying. Man. I, it's not, I'm not, I, if she bought him a pair, the kids a pair of shoes, that's something to want two pairs. Yeah. You know, that's he just grew up that way, I guess. I, I've met a lot of his family members. They ain't like that, man. They're, 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 hell, they're more like me than anything. Hell, half of them are in prison anyhow. I mean, yeah. he's got a normal family. He didn't grow up in here like that. But you know, someone down throughout life, man, he felt that way. You know, and she grew up to a point where, you know, he, he was probably a lot like my dad when I was growing up. And then at one point, he just decided, hey, I'm just going to fuck, I'm going to kick it. But the fuck is as simple as go along with it and just get it on. And he let her down at that point, you know. He felt her, no longer did she have a Superman like me and mine. She won't. Differences. I run up my sleeve, put in the work, and become his Superman again. again. And yeah. once I was a bullshit, he's like, "Man, I'm not needing pops. You know, like he's, he's, there. he's always been there for me." And I encourage him to be with his mom and go there and hang out. And I'm like, "Son, I'm not. If you if you want to live there, man, just, just tell me, son. You can tell pops anything, man. You're not gonna crush my life or crush my feelings. And I'm gonna always be there for you. I don't give a shit if you live there and visit me. I'm gonna be in your life." Whenever you want me in it, I'm going to be there. I don't give a shit if I got to live in a tent in the park, man, just to be close to you. I'm going to be there. You ain't never going to have to call and tell me a week ago something happened to you because I'll know 30 minutes after it happened or something because I'm not going there. I've got family and friends calling me from out of state now where I belong. You know, I came back to this place. I left a life behind. And uh, now again, I haven't seen me things that belong to me that I left behind myself. You know, and that's just what I do. Beast the hell out of going back to crime. You like it here in Vassalia? I hate it. Do you? I hate it. I never want to come back here with you. You know, I came back made different in this place. Yeah. You know, I, I built a life outside this place, man. That was my goal was to leave this place, you know, and I did. I had my pistons covered by it. I loved it down in Arizona, El Congo, yeah. San Diego. Hell, I found, I found my heaven out there. You know, I loved El Congo Hills. I go up there, man. Every beats of shit out of three rivers and all these people don't even know, man. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. They think it's just hot. I'm like, go up there, hit, 
Hit the light, go up here, hit on the top mountain, come a hill, man. Roll down the backside of it, over to the Mission Black over here on, on 4th of July. Sit up on the mission right there and watch some beautiful photos. Fireworks right there, San Diego. Breathtaking. Yeah. You know? But if you sit here and you hear all the stories, oh, the 120, well, yeah, I mean, you hear the bad points, but go see for yourself. If it ain't for you, pack it up and go home. Shit. Nobody making you stay, but I, I was planning on making a life for it. I could be in Arizona and I loved it. And, uh, you know, but people just weren't nice to my partner here. I went to his funeral. Hell, standing room only. Hell, it took me all day before I had my turn. No, I could go in and see. No. And my mama said, it's casket. You know, uh, I'm going to take care of your kids. I'm going to take care of your wife. But no. Man, how do you, you have this many fucking friends, man, and you find yourself alone? Night you need someone the most. You see, he shot himself. I believe it, man. You tie man and kick you. They're going to shoot every motherfucker in this town before you ever think about him yourself. Regardless, he's not here. And they're burying him, and all of a sudden, you're just standing room only. In the chapel. And where the fuck were, I know where I was at. I was fucking 12, 15 hours away from here. You motherfuckers right here. You know, half of them, you guys are related to him. Blood related. The other half ran the streets of him. How did he find himself alone on that one night? That somebody couldn't, he had to fight just to get alone to change his goddamn underwear, you know? How do you find yourself alone on that night? You need someone emotionally there for you the most. How do you find yourself with no company whatsoever? I don't find that a coincidence, you know? But that's life, you know? I have a lot of answers, you know? It doesn't feel good when you find somebody that kills himself, especially somebody that you know. Yeah, especially when you know it's Larry County. You know, at the time, Larry County, Larry, Larry County put a dirty back in. Long before you and your wife came, Larry County was here, and they just had a place called Larry County in my life. I wanted to turn that way. I watched Larry go from a place that had no gangs, drugs, just like every town. He went with the Pablo Escobar, cocaine, baby. Yeah. Every other town got him, but there was no gangs, man. We all hung out. We, you know, we had the Booster brothers and the Booster sisters. We drank and we partied and we had fun and we, we had no colors. And we, you know, we had our drunken fights and I got to make them do a little drunk fight again. That's what made us cool. That's, yeah. how, that's how I met you. You know, I didn't even know you until we got in that fist fight and shit. I got some bitch off of me and I got like me, you know. <laughs> Hell, that girl, she's she tough. She bought box three girls. I love her. I'm going to date her tonight. <laughs> and then she kicks her ass and we want to marry her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then I watched her change. You know, I watched people get into drugs and go to prison. Come back to prison with a box of bottles by that. Colors and went to politics and all kinds of prison shit that had no, had no clothes on these streets, man. But shit, whatever the hell you teach them how to live in prison, I don't know the streets. Wait until they get to prison. You know, you got their future sewed up for them. You got them all set up for prison. Where the fuck they want to go with that knowledge? The prison? No. You know, I mean, seriously, if you teach them all about colors and drag and politics from prison, where are they going to use that shit? At school? The job site? No. We're, you've already gave them college knowledge for prison, so where's the next stop? Prison. You've already, you've already put them in a set of handcuffs, and they, they ain't even out of grammar school yet. No. You know, they're dragging, they're already politicking, they just ain't started, they're just going through all the motions. They just ain't, they ain't done it yet. You know, and that's pretty damn sad, man. Uh, you raise your own bitch about how you're a minority, and society won't leave you alone, the community won't leave you alone, no one wants to have problems. Shit, you just really sealed this guy's fate, and put you in living anger. Little cousin, he's like red bagging and head kicking now. You know, ooh, 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 now he's a bulldog. He didn't, 
He didn't like Bulldog before that. You know, I running around like Bulldog. You never know what the shit stands for. You can't shoot somebody over it. You know, you teach them these things and then you bitch about society. I'm like, you know, you, you got shit all fucked up. Man. You know, to change society, you got to make a change. Man. You want me to change up your shit. You know, like I told you, it's simple. Man. The only thing you got to change is everything. Other than you, you're busy. You know, if you're waiting around, for society to bend your way, it ain't never done that in any man's life. I don't care how far you look back. No matter how much they scream, no matter how bitch, how much they they just bitch and whine, it's not gonna bend your way. No, no, it never has. You know, a man's always had to get up, throw up the sleeve, then they want that dirt, go stake it out, go stake the claim, go to the office. Hey, nobody owns that land. Well, so it's mine. Okay, now you got a piece of dirt. What are you gonna do with it? Well, that's my farm. I gotta eat. I gotta have a house. What you gonna? Ain't nobody gonna come farm that land and build your house for free. No. If you didn't have the money to buy all that shit, then guess what? You got yourself three pieces of property that you gotta farm that, you gotta house it, you, you know, and see, you gotta put in some work. It's been that way since the dawn of ages. Yeah. You know, ain't nobody brought us the wheel hell. We had to come out the cave and figure out how to build this image ourselves. Then when we had it, we had to figure out what the hell's it gonna go on. The dinosaur don't need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? We evolved, you know, but we've always had to put in the work. Knowledge comes from God and ourselves, you know, but putting foot to ass work has always been the way of life. Yeah. For normal folk like us, we've always had to work for it. You know, nobody handed us nothing, and then nobody's going to hand you nothing. You know, if you weren't born, born with a fucking dimension, if you die with one, it takes both your ass off to get it. But I guarantee you, there ain't nobody out there handing them out. And then I'm sure ain't no millionaires out there trying to give you money. Right? Yeah. He's probably on a tighter budget than you are. That's how they keep that money by keeping that money. They don't spend it, but they don't spend it, just keep it. They spend other people's money. Absolutely. They create tax shelters and everything else they can do because they make the laws, they run the laws, they vote the laws, and they got the money. But it's out there for you for the taking. They got it because they went after it, you know? If you want to sit on the sidelines and bitch about him having that money, well, shit. It's all you want. You think it's bothering him? He'll shut his goddamn windows that mansion so damn far off the road he can't hear you anyhow. <laughs> or the sound of his fucking you know, TV and surround sound. And, right. You know? But they, you know, he's got to keep it. You know, he's got the same problems you got, but he's got more problems. Now because he's got a million dollars and wants to keep that damn hell. You don't got nothing anybody wants, so you ain't scared of nothing. Mm-hmm. You got to lose. You know, you got nothing I want, so to keep nothing takes no effort, takes no work. To keep that million dollars, that man probably stays away nights trying to figure out how to keep that money. How to keep, you know, how to stay with them neighbors you got. To stay in that lifestyle you got, it takes a lot of hard work. I don't give a shit if it's handed to you at birth or not. You know, and the man before you had to keep it, he had to keep it. What do you think about people saying about white privilege? I think we're a minority because we made it.
every now and then she would see these guys stop holding a sign on the side of the freeway, walk over to their car, which had 22s or some kind of whatever kind of... More often than not. Yeah, more often than not, and drive off in this car that...
side. No one.
your kid is just as important as my kid. And I don't care if I'm a judge and you're a street thug. A child is the future, man. And, and, and if, if you ignore that kid and only these kids, then you don't even have part of the future. You know, the future's all children. Not just one or two. I mean, over here, it's the whole future. You know, it takes all children to make up society. You know, and if that was the case, none of our children would be there. It would be just dirty his and his. You know what I'm saying? They would already built their own. They're, they're not heaven. They can't build that perfect that perfect race. It takes everyone and everyone's children to make that future. You know? Yeah, I like that message. And I'm glad that uh, we got to talk today. Yes, sir. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we're, we've been talking for a while. Oh, that was my fear. It wasn't talking about it. Like, He's going to get me now. I'm going to take two. He's going to be mad. I want to thank you for uh, having this conversation with me. Um, but yeah, uh, I want to uh, just say uh, thank you, and I hope that that we uh, stay friends oh, for well, a long time. Man, you know, I make sure everybody that comes to my doorstep knows that your wife and your family here are civilians. You came to our county willingly. Yeah. You came here, you transferred here to bring your wife and your kids. You, you know, for the American dream, and, yeah. and you're trying to live it. It better keep the shit off your doorstep because that's what you're doing. Man. We ain't over here to help this man get that American dream and stay healthy. You know, <laughs> if I catch you over here, you'll be in my backyard. There ain't no place to be. Yeah, and I, I do get a lot of respect from you, and I appreciate that. Uh, that's something you've earned, sir. I don't give that stuff out. It's, it's really, earned, it's know? earned. That's yeah, right. You know, any man just gets up and puts on the uniform to, to protect your country and not just his family, but my family too, willingly. The man that I respect is man that other people should respect is. I don't see too much of that going on out here. No, not right now. There are too many people volunteering to be taking on other people's problems. No. To defend their household. You know, right now, most people are just need, 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 need. So men like you, it's a dying breed, man, but it's a breed that we need more of. That's right. And I appreciate you, sir. My children appreciate you. And thank you for protecting our country, man. Well, I thank you. All right. Well, thank you, and I'll talk to you guys later. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they came up with it. That's why I started this, so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe we can all learn from each other.